And welcome to the Long Island Orange and Blue Podcast, a New York Mets and Islanders experience. I am your host, Jimmy Malone. You can always hit me up on Instagram at Jimmy Malone double underscore. And check out my online publications at Rising Apple for the Mets and at Eyes on Isles for the Islanders, both of the fan-sided website. Welcome to episode one of the Orange and Blue Podcast. We're going to be breaking down the Islanders and the Penguins game from New Year's Eve last night. And by the way, Happy New Year. It's now 2024. It's a pretty big year, not just for many of us personally. I know many of you out there are probably graduating college or you're planning to get married soon or you're graduating high school. I don't know how old you are if you're listening to this podcast. We also have an election coming up in November, which this will not be a politics podcast, but if you know me well enough, you know where I am. So I guess it's a pretty big year for the world come November. So now when we think about next year's Jet or Giants season, well, it's going to be flooded with politics all over the place once again. Well, last night... The Islanders went out to PPG Paint Arena where they finished 2023 with an absolute dud. Now, overall, just to sum it up, I'm not really even that frustrated over this loss last night. I mean, I'm frustrated in the sense that they lost to a Metro Division team and they got no points out of it. But when you see how well Nadelkovich played last night in the net for Pittsburgh. He was ridiculous. He was what Elias Sorokin was last year, where he's stopping everything. Absolutely everything. The Islanders could not get the puck past him this entire game, and it was so frustrating. So let's start from the very beginning. We're looking at the lineup. Sezikis is back after his one-game hiatus. I guess he was sick the other night at home against Washington. And Mayfield finally came back, so maybe little by little the defensemen are finally coming back. We know Pellick is still hurt, but they showed him actually skating in Pittsburgh yesterday, taking shots on the net. And I think uh, the on the broadcast, Butch Goring even said he had a wrist injury, which is the way it looked when he came out of that game about a month ago. They just said upper body, but you knew it was either wrist or forearm the way he got hit up against the glass. So that's probably why he was taking all the wrist shots in practice. So that's good news that they have Mayfield back. He was not playing well before he got hurt, by the way. He started off the year hurt, came back, and just never looked right. But last night, he played pretty well. He comes in, Bortuzzo sits, which Bortuzzo, he's been a skating penalty the last few games. I mean... I understand they only gave up a seventh round pick to get him. They got him out of desperation, but he's he's not the answer. And then the interesting thing was Pierre Engvall sitting. Now I just read from my publication Eyes on Isles. I didn't write this; somebody else did. That uh, Lane Lambert said it's because Engvall hasn't been skating all that well. That he's been. <clears throat> kind of skating in the wrong directions at the wrong time, and then that's leading to the puck being turned over. But the thing is, this is the second time Engvall's been benched this year. So it kind of makes you wonder, out of all the guys that have struggled on this team, whether it's J.G. Pajot, whether 
Uh, I understand why they would never bench Lee when he was struggling early on because he's the captain. But they've had other guys struggle on this team that never got benched, never really got held accountable. But Engvall sat twice. Now, I, I'm not somebody that wanted Engvall back, especially for a seven-year contract. For a, I know he's playing on, on the top six right now, but he's not a top six player. He was he have four goals this year? So, I mean, to me, this is more on the general manager why Engvall's even here. And Engvall, he's had games where he's looked really good, and then he's had games where he's he's non-existent. So that was an interesting thing to see. Fashing was on the second line, which was even more surprising <laughs> that, okay, you said Engvall but you move fashing up to the second line. And by the way, anybody that's a Mets and Islanders fan out there, please tell me Hudson fashing. Tell me he does not look like Brandon Nemo. I mean, when these two guys smile, I put a picture of both of them together on my phone just to see the comparison. So now I call him Hudson Nemo instead of Hudson fashion. Cause he looks exactly like Brandon Nemo. So now we jump ahead to the first period, and right out of the box, seven seconds in, Matt Martin's fighting. And you can understand it because the Islanders got their rear ends kicked last time, losing uh, 7 nothing in their own building. But the broadcast even said, because Butch Goring asked Brennan Burke, does Matt Martin even know John Ludwig on the Penguins? Does he even know who he is? Why is he fighting with him? And it was funny because Brendan Burke's like, nope, he doesn't know who he is. So Matt Martin's just fist fighting with people. He doesn't even know what their first and last names are. He's just going out there trying to get a little bit of revenge and a little bit of a message that, hey, we didn't appreciate you guys. You know, we're down 6 nothing in the third period and you're still shooting the puck on us, trying to run up the score like the Patriots did the Robert Sala and the Jets back in 2021 that, what was it? 50-something to 14 or 17 disaster. It was basically the exact same thing. So at least Matt Martin stuck up for his team a little bit, even though he didn't even play in the game. Matt Martin just came back the night against Washington. So right away, you already have a fight. But the Islanders, they, they did not play very well at all in the first period. They were turning the puck over constantly. They had the one moment at least early on in the first period, when Casey Sezikis had the breakaway shot, which he didn't take the greatest shot in the world. He was all by himself. Nobody was within 10 feet of him. And you would have thought he would have made it like a shootout goal, like try and do something slick with a backhand or something, but he puts it right on, uh, right on the goalie's glove, and he just easily caught it. So that was their one big moment. But really where Nedeljkovic showed his heroics was on the power play for the Islanders after Sidney Crosby got the slashing penalty. Because Brock Nelson had two amazing opportunities to give the Islanders a one nothing lead. And Nedeljkovic, he's trying to get his helmet off in the middle of this whole thing. He's laying on his back. The helmet's falling off of his head. And somehow he just lunges his body at Brock Nelson's shot, stops the puck, and Pittsburgh gets it out of the zone. 
I mean, this guy was just incredible last night. I'm not even mad at Brock Nelson. I'm not mad at Nelson. I'm not mad at Palmieri for passing it to Nelson. It's just, oh my God. I, And that's how I, that was the early sign for me that they're not winning this game. They're not. And then the next point is when the Islanders are trying to make something happen. Then the, t- the puck that gets turned over in the offensive zone. It's Romanov by himself with just Jansen Harkins. And let me see, who was it with him? It was Jansen Harkins and Lars Eller. So it was a 2-1-1 going back near Sorokin. And Romanov, I know Butch Goring was getting on him during the game. I didn't really blame Romanov for this goal. I mean, he slid trying to break up the pass. Harkins gets it to Eller. And they get it past Sorokin. To me, that one's on Sorokin. He's got to stop it. I and I mean the the puck turnover. It was absolutely inexcusable in the offensive zone to leave Romanov back there by himself. But Sorokin, we've seen him make that stop before. He's not in the crease. They passed it right across the crease and got it past him. We know Sorokin's normally ten feet out in front of the crease to stop the puck, and for some reason in this instance, he's not. So now the Islanders are down one nothing, and then right at the end of the first period, Bo Horvat gets that penalty, and then just what maybe a minute later, Holmstrom gets the tripping call. So now all of a sudden the Islanders are down five on three, heading into the second period, and it, that's a scary thing to think about it's just Sizikis, Romanov and Dobson out there by themselves when this penalty kill has been absolutely brutal all season long but luckily for not only the Islanders but for my sanity they actually kill off the five on three penalty kill that opened up the second period and nothing real interesting happened in that period. I mean, other than Matt Martin having a wide open net at one point, Stizikas passed it to him uh, in the offensive zone. Matt Martin took a really lethal shot. I thought the fourth line played its best hockey since Matt Martin went down, honestly. I mean, that was the best they looked all night long. And you knew Matt Martin, he's been itching to get back out there. The first couple seconds against Washington, he's already going up to Ovechkin and trying to lay him out. So the fourth line, I thought, played real well last night. But the second period, nothing was really going on for either team until Archari got the goal about midway through the second period. And now the Islanders are down 2-0. And other than, you know, Romanov and... uh, Raquel going into the penalty box together because Raquel slashed him and then Romanov roughed him or whatever stupid nonsense. Other than that, nothing else happened in the second period. So now we go into the third. Isles are down 2 nothing, And once again, Nadelkovic is making these great saves. He's making them now on Matt Barzell. Brock Nelson has a couple of wraparound tries. He had the one where... He actually tried to duke him out on the wraparound because Nadelkovic, he, he obviously has this scouting report on Brock Nelson. He knows he's going for the wraparound when he's behind the net. So Brock Nelson actually stops, shoots it real hard to get it past him, and Nadelkovic makes the save. 
And you just knew with every great save this guy was making, Islanders are not winning this game. And then you get late into the third period. Their last real sign of hope was after they pulled Sorokin to get the sixth forward out there. Anders Lee hasn't wide open net now, and he can't hit the net. He just misses down 2-1 to one because this is right after Sam Bolduc's goal. Which, good for Sam Bolduc. They got something going last night. Bolduc hasn't had a goal all season long. But right after that, Lee had the wide open net. And then, just a couple of seconds later, Pittsburgh gets to empty netter. It was scored by Lars Eller, his second goal of the game. Which, I, I mean, you'll... You're losing the game to their bottom six. You know, you're not losing the game to Crosby or Malkin. You're letting the bottom six beat you in this game. And now you're down three to one. You know the game's over. And what just didn't make any sense at all. So at the end of this game, not that it matters. But why are the refs calling a penalty on Kyle Palmieri for a face-off violation? Have you ever even heard of that in the NHL, a face-off violation because you weren't taking the face-off fast enough? Isn't that the ref's fault for kicking the player out of the face-off circle? First of all, Pittsburgh was kicking the Islanders' rear ends in the face-off circle. They kept showing the stat on MSG. Islanders were at like 35, 36, 38% in the faceoff circle all game long. You're telling me Pittsburgh didn't have some sort of an edge, yet you're going to toss Palmieri into the penalty box with 30 seconds left, down 3-1? to one? You know the games are just let the game end. And then they, they throw Horvat out of the game right after that for instigation because he's yelling at the refs from uh, the sideline. I mean, who, who cares? Why Why are the refs even bothering with any of this crap with 30 seconds left in the game? Especially on a penalty. I haven't been watching hockey since 2008. I've never seen a face-off violation you get penalized for. It doesn't even make sense. Anyway, that's how the game ends. They lose 3-1, to one, and that's how they finish off 2023. Sorokin was very... Good, outside of uh, the early goal he let up, where he should have had that one. He was very good in this game. He had, what was he, 36 of 38. The Islanders shot the puck real well. That's why I'm not really mad about this game, because they had 38 shots on net and a lot of good ones. Now, they missed on some good ones, like Anders Lee's late in the game. But other than that, just tip your cap to Nedeljkovic. He was awesome. And I know Nedeljkovic, he's Pittsburgh's backup goalie, and people are going to make the jokes, oh, the Islanders lose to another backup goalie, and this and that. Well, guy's good. And you know what? Pittsburgh's defense really played a lot like a Barry Trott-style defense. This is how the Islanders used to win games, where, okay, the other team's putting a lot of shots on net, but our goaltender's better than yours. Our goaltender's better than your offense, and our defense is going to beat you. And that's the mindset Pittsburgh came into this with. And you knew early in the season, when you see Pittsburgh is seventh in the division, that's not lasting long. Now, they weren't a playoff team last year, but Sidney Crosby, they said the other night, this is the third fastest in his 18-year career that he's gotten the 20 goals. Their offense outside of Crosby isn't great. 
But you know, with that head coach, who's been with the team now for nine years, he's got a couple Stanley Cups on his ring finger. You know they're going to get themselves back into it. And this Metro division is just too tight for the Islanders to basically hand points away like that. You know, I mean, they were even showing last night. Tampa Bay, they're not having a great season, but they're in the mix for the wild card. I know it's still somewhat early. We're still pre-All-Star break, pre-trade deadline. But to me, this is like the first part of the NHL season is around the new year where you can really take stock of the standings and at least the Islanders are in it. I mean, I didn't know what to expect coming into this year, but Hey, with all things considered the awful start they got off to all the injuries on defense, I give this team a lot of credit for hanging in there, but you want to see them beat the freaking penguins. Because I feel like the Islanders and the Penguins are kind of the same team in a lot of ways. They have some firepower on their top lines. Penguins have Crosby and Malkin. The Islanders have Horvat and Barzell, who, I mean, I know they had shots on that last night, but none of them were really quality shots on that, when you really think about it, from the top line. And the third, the third line, I know they won them the game the other night against Washington. They were non-existent once again, once again last night. It was really the second and the fourth lines that felt like they had all the offense, and Anders Lee had some great chances, and that was it. But regardless, these two teams stack up real well, and Pittsburgh beat them, beat them around the bush the last couple times playing them. Oh. So the Islanders, their next game is going to be Tomorrow night out in Colorado to take on the Stanley Cup champions from a couple years ago. Then on Thursday night, they're in Arizona. Both of them 9 o'clock games. I'll most likely watch those games the following day. And then they're out in Las Vegas Saturday night where they play the Stanley Cup champs. Which is wonderful. I mean, this is going to be (laughs) just a wonderful West Coast trip. Arizona is not as bad just because they play in a 5,000 capacity arena. Doesn't mean they're a bad team. They actually have a lot of pretty good young talent. And they're, what, fourth in the Central Division right now as the sits. So the Islanders had to take them seriously. And then you have two teams that have won championships recently. So it's not going to be an easy road trip, hopefully. Maybe they get Pelic back by the time they go to Vegas. I'm not counting on it. I I think you're just, you know, you're grasping for hairs if Pelic comes back by then. But it's a possibility considering he did skate in practice. And that would be a huge boost to a defense that has really just been inconsistent. And it'll be interesting to see when Pella comes back who the Islanders sit because Mike Riley's given them some offense. Sam Bolduke, I mean, for all the crap this kid got early in the season, everybody's saying you got to wave him. Why is he in the line? Even I said it at times, like, what is he doing? He doesn't look like he's ready. Even though at times last year he looked fine. The playoffs last year he looked okay. But for some reason this year he was awful early on. And then all of a sudden, last night, they pair him with Mayfield, and Guy played real well. He had his first goal of this season. He had a couple of great blocks in front of Sorokin last night. So, you know, Boldluke's making his case to stay on the NHL roster. 
It, Aho, I don't see him coming out. He's done much better playing on the right side of Riley than anybody could have asked because he's not a two-way defenseman. But, you know, he's taken to the role pretty well. And honestly, I don't, I don't want to see Bortuzzo back in the lineup. I don't think he's been that great. He just keeps getting tossed in the penalty box. I don't need that. If we need to take a penalty on purpose, you know, that's Matt Martin's role to go out there and fight someone. That's not... Robert Bortuzzo, when you're already dealing with three injured defensemen, a guy you claimed off waivers and Mike Riley, and uh, a guy that we have question marks about in Sam Bolduc, we don't need a guy taking penalties constantly, especially when our penalty kill is 31st in the NHL. So when Adam Pellett comes back, it'll be interesting to see how Lambert handles the whole thing. We already saw with now Martin and Sezikis both back that he sat Engvall the first time. Now we'll see what he does next time. If he sticks with Gauthier, if he really believes in him. If he sticks with... I thought Fashing actually played okay. I, he didn't do anything wrong last night. I know he's a, you know, a north to south forward. And he's pretty simple. Other teams know how to play him. But, you know, I, I don't see why he should sit. And obviously, I don't know what they're doing about Wallstrom. I mean, I've been wanting to see the kid play. I don't think he's really gotten a fair chance. It's, you know, people are going to argue, oh, he's gotten his chance. And this and that. Guy, when you're playing one game, sitting the next three, I, what kind of a chance is that? You can't get into a rhythm. I mean, when they gave him a small chance here recently, they put him in, they sit him for a couple games to let Gauthier play again, sit Gauthier again, put Wallstrom back. I mean, who's going to benefit from doing that? So, like I said, that it's grasping at straws if Pella comes back, but hopefully he does. Um, and that's how we're going to wrap it up. Just, uh, a, I would just say disappointing loss because I really felt like they were going to win this game coming off losing 7 nothing to Pittsburgh. But you know what? Tip your cat to N- Nadelkovic and the Pittsburgh Penguins. They played real well last night. Can't complain about the way the Islanders played. I thought they gave great effort. Just a couple of boneheaded mistakes in the first period. Outside of that, they played pretty clean hockey game. And now we look ahead to Colorado, Arizona, and Vegas on this three-game West Coast trip. <clears throat> I'll be coming back later on in the week. Um, if nothing middle of the week, if I don't put anything up, we'll definitely be back on Friday to break down Tuesday and Thursday night's Islander game. Any breaking Met news, we'll do an emergency podcast for that. And on Friday, when we put one out there, we'll definitely preview Week 18 for the New York Jets as they get to take on this kid, Tyler Zapp, or Tyler Zappy, however you pronounce it, and the New England Patriots on Sunday to close out what has been another wonderful season in Jetland. So thank you for listening. Please message me anytime on Instagram at Jimmy Malone double underscore. Some of you have my phone number. Text me. Please give me any feedback. There's going to be a Q&A at the bottom of this podcast when you're on Spotify. Leave any critiques, whatever. I can take criticism. I'm never going to get better at this podcast if I don't have criticism. So please tell me what can I do better. What else can I talk about if you're someone that doesn't know me? What are your ideas about the teams in the blue and orange in this area? And I'll see you guys later. Or 
I'll talk to you guys, and I guess the audience just listens later on in the week. Thank you for listening. Long Island, Orange, and Blue. This is Jimmy Malone. <laughs>